Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Appreciation and equity is beautiful, and that's where most people make their wealth. But we know that a lot of people could potentially lose money if their only strategy is based on appreciation and growth and equity because we can't directly control that. The market controls that. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest-running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best ever listeners, welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Slocum Reed. And I'm here with Omni Casey. Omni is joining us from Ashburn, Virginia. He runs a family-owned, owner-operating investment company called Newly Free Developers. He's also a managing broker at Weikert Realtors. New Leaf currently owns and controls 170 residential units and 10 commercial and mixed-use properties. Omni, can you start us off with a little more about your background and what you're currently focused on? Awesome. Yes. Thank you, Slogan. Huge fan of the show. Thanks for having me on. The summary of it is I'm from Hawaii, originally born and raised, started my real estate investing career out there, my brokerage career as well. Relocated to Northern Virginia, just outside of DC, probably 12 years ago with my wife. Her family's from there. And we've done just about everything you can think, fix and flip, the burr, buy and hold, over the last few years, we've really transitioned into buying portfolios, mom and pops exiting and try to buy the entire portfolio from them. And then once we buy a portfolio that turns into a burr strategy, a fix and flip strategy, a small multifamily buy and hold strategy as well. We work with a lot of other investors. So sometimes we wholesale some of them that we're not looking to keep. So that's been our focus and we're always evolving strategies. We're in an evolving market. So always looking at what the next step is, but that's the summary of my journey so far. Awesome. I'm an owner operator as well. So I love this. I have some answers to some of the questions I want to ask, but the best ever listeners and I want to hear your answers. Why is it that you guys are currently focused on buying portfolios? You called them mom and pop portfolios. What is it about that that appeals to you right now? It's hard. I love it because it's hard. It's not what we've always done. And it got much more crowded in the go look for a duplex, go look for a fourplex space. We stumbled across our first portfolio. It came to us from one of our property managers. And then once we looked at the complexity of it, we realized that there's not a lot of competition. 
typically we have to buy our portfolios with cash. So we pull out equity from our properties and or whatever cash will we save up, we do that because we don't want to use a loan going in because we usually don't keep all the properties. We keep probably 70% of the properties and we only keep the properties that actually fit our strategy. Usually the multifamily two plus units or something in the mixed use space. And if we wrap it in a loan in the beginning, it, it makes it a little bit more complex and difficult when you're trying to exit some of those properties or reposition them. So because of that, it's complex. And I try to chase whatever's complex because I don't like a lot of competition. I'm glad I introduced this question the way that I did because the answers you gave were not answers I was expecting. It sounds like you're referencing the higher barriers to entry, buying portfolios of smaller properties like this. The complexity of buying a portfolio leads to less competition. There are fewer people looking to buy entire portfolios of smaller properties. Also buying cash, there are fewer people interested in doing that, especially when you're looking at some repositioning value add, cash out refi type stuff, paying cash makes sense. So there are higher barriers to entry, less competition. What I was expecting you to say though, Omni, that you didn't, was that mom and pop owners often don't treat their portfolios like a business and you get some mismanagement, not necessarily owner operators letting things go by the wayside, but not treating their property like a business, not tracking the market, making sure that their rents are and amenities are current, that leading to value add and appreciation forcing opportunities. Is that also part of the play here, Omni? It is. I think one economies of scale, being able to buy a bunch at one time, let's call it somewhere between 10 and 15 properties at one time is the average portfolio size that we take down. And it gives them simplicity, being able to exit at the right time. So they see the value in them simplifying their life on their exit. So they are happy to give some value on the side. So they do know what their properties are worth typically, because they've been doing this for a very long time. Often, let's say they've had the property for 25, 30 years, and they're beyond their depreciation level. So they're not getting the same return or tax benefits that they were up until that point. So they're just not as good of cash flow that they were getting prior to that, or they're just tired and they're just looking for an exit. And if you're two or three years into being tired as a mom and pop landlord, you're exactly right. The condition of the property start to fail, the, the quality of the tenants start to deteriorate. And often there's a lot of heavy upside in value add opportunity when we take over. All right, I'm in. Yes, Let's do it. Absolutely. I love this idea. It resonates with some of the things that I'm doing myself. I have to ask though, before I jump to conclusions, what are you doing to get in front of these opportunities? Is it a lot of off-market lead generation? I assume you're going direct to seller somehow. A lot of it is direct to seller. I do run a fairly large uh, brokerage location, about a hundred agents, and most of them are investors as well. And they're trained and I tell everyone what I'm looking for. I run a meetup here. There's about two to 300 people regularly that try to come to our meetup. And I tell everyone there as well. And I have yet to find one person in that meetup or in my association that I directly compete with. So I tell everyone, tell everyone exactly what you're looking for. I'm not really looking for the one-off properties anymore. So I'm going to send those your way, but here's what I want you to do. If someone needs to sell their entire portfolio, come to me. A huge percentage over the last couple of years of what we acquired came directly from our property managers. So once again, we tell our property managers, we want you to keep an eye out 
your other mom and pop landlords that you're managing for, or maybe they're just starting to take over because a step for a mom and pop that has been managing it themselves for a while before exiting is actually finding a property manager. They're like, well, let me try to find a property manager because they want to be more passive and they don't have comfort with the lack of control or whatever it may be. And then that's usually the step before they decide to just exit. So my property managers typically find out before anyone else that they're thinking about selling. And if they sell to me, it benefits my property managers because they keep those properties in their portfolio to manage versus if it went to the open market, chances are any other buyer that buys it is going to be hiring their own property manager or a different property manager. So I do get quite a bit from my property managers that manage my properties. Omnize, your entire portfolio in the Northern Virginia or DC area? It is not. I would say we're close to half. We had a big push last year. My goal was to buy 52 properties last year. We ended up at somewhere in the 46 range. And most of those were in the Maryland, Virginia, DC metro market. Prior to that, I started in Hawaii. And so I'm spread sure. out all over. I would say the last few years, I've been trying to consolidate and condense rather than having one or two properties in a certain area. I do want to find rockstar property managers, and I've been investing more around those property managers. So it's been less about the market. I make sure I'm investing in markets I'm comfortable with, but there's markets I'm comfortable with that I have not bought more properties in because I just have not found that rockstar property manager that I'm comfortable really scaling my business in that area to. So I've done a lot of growth around property managers and I tell them that I say, I want to grow. I want to become your number one client. And here's what I want in return. I want you to tell me about every single one of your clients looking to sell. And I promise I will keep it in your portfolio. I'll treat them right, but I'll, I'll help them exit. That's awesome. So you have a unique selling proposition in that you're specifically targeting portfolios of assets that are typically too small for institutional or syndication buyers. The, the deals are complex because most of these portfolios, I imagine from my own experience, are scatter plot. It's not 10 buildings next to each other. It's 10 buildings all over town, which also leads to mom and pop burnout, of course. That's awesome. I have in my show notes Omni, that you are taking seriously the changing economic indicators right now and that they are changing your investing strategy somewhat. I will say we're recording this in mid to late May of 2022. There's a lot going on in the world, in the economy, in the United States right now. Just some buzzwords real quick. Inflation, interest rates, expanding cap rates possibly. Low unemployment, wage growth, Russia is currently in Ukraine. Talk to us about how it is that your strategy is changing based on the changing economic and global political climate. Yeah, we're in a crazy time. And you listed off a crazy list there and pandemic wasn't even on that list. Yeah, so we're right? coming out of a crazy time and we're still in a crazy time. So I've been doing this for about 20 years now in multiple markets and real estate has been consistent, but you're exactly right. There's, there's so many things that are just affecting our market or our ability to invest or maybe the strategies and everything on that list is understanding that more than anything. It's more than understanding a market or it's more than understanding a neighborhood. It's more than understanding cash on cash ROI. Those are baseline important things to get a grasp of, but really we do need to really understand the economic changes and kind of predict what's going to happen out there and, and come up with the strategy that might make sense. So what I've been focusing on and what I've been coaching my people at our mastermind is really to start thinking of not just real estate as an asset, but think of debt as an asset. If you think about it, the debt itself 
debt is becoming hard, right? You got interest rates, you got a quote for like seven and a quarter percent third year fixed rental property right. loan, right? So that's crazy. Like you can't make the numbers work. I guess you could, but that's not what we've been doing. So understanding how to look at the property itself and look at if there's any debt attached to that property. Is there something on the creative side that you can take over that debt? Is it assumption? Is it subject to, is there owner financing tied to it? So I think, although on the investing space, creative financing has always been part of it, right? Especially the bigger multifamily side of things. But in my space, that smaller multifamily or the entry-level investor, it's not something that they're learning or thinking of. And so we do spend a lot of time talking about debt being an asset in of itself. I can probably pay ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 over market value if it's a property I plan to keep forever if I have the right debt attached to it. If I can take over your 2% interest rate for the next 25 years, I can pay you a little bit more because I'm comparing that with a 7% interest rate. It's going to cash flow. It doesn't work for every type of investment strategy. If you're looking to sell that off in six months, then it doesn't matter too much about that debt because you're overpaying for it. But really identifying your investment strategies and putting them in different buckets. And I, I kind of put your financial freedom, your passive income in one bucket and your strategy and the debt for that really should be completely separate than let's just call it your legacy or your generational wealth bucket. Those are two different strategies that you are probably thinking about. And most people that come to me for help for real estate investing are trying to do everything in one. I want to become financially free and I want to become wealthy at the exact same time. They're just two different things. So understanding that separating those two makes it a little bit more clear and easier to move forward. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but you can get the knowledge and tools you need to succeed when you attend Dana Cornell's four-week Raise Capital Masterclass Live. After starting out with no capital or relationships, Dana has raised over $1 billion twice in the past 20 years, and he has made it his mission to share the best of what he's learned with business owners and investors like you. You can learn more at danacornell.com forward slash best ever. Dana's Raise Capital Masterclass Live allows you to immediately unlock and raise capital on demand, drastically increasing your business's growth. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, go to danacornell.com forward slash best ever to enroll today. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at passiveinvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. Passiveinvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive Investing investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit passiveinvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's passiveinvesting.com forward slash red flags. Tell us a little bit more about that, separating financial independence from building wealth. What do you mean by that? So the building wealth or the generational wealth bucket, I put it in there. I think most of us want to get to a level where we can give back or we want to give back or take care of our family and our family's family. And to do that, that's a big number typically, right? It's a big amount to get to. 
we're probably going to take the wrong type of risk to get there just for time's sake. So if we're talking about just financial freedom, the simplest way for financial freedom is long-term rental passive income. There's many ways to do that. It's boring and it's not sexy. It's not fast growth. It's passive income, but just stack that passive income. And if you know what your financial freedom number is and you work your way backwards from there, then you can do that. And I talk about long-term rental properties more than anything else. It's not the only thing I invest in, but it's the only thing I think new investors should probably start in if they're not financially free yet. Once you're financially free, you can shift your strategy because now, no matter what happens with your future investments, you take a bigger risk and you jump into the short-term rental, the co-living, the syndication, you grow outside of a space that you're an expert in. There's always risk when you jump into a different space that you're not an expert in. It may go well, it may not, but the reality is you have your passive income, you have your financial freedom coming in no matter what, because you kind of set that baseline. So I say, achieve your financial freedom through passive income first, whether that takes you two years or that takes you 15 years, get that done. And then you can shift your strategy to maybe a higher risk, higher reward strategy for growth opportunities and appreciation and equity is beautiful. And that's where most people make their wealth. But we know that a lot of people could potentially lose money if their only strategy is based on appreciation and growth and equity, because we can't directly control that. The market controls that. So making sure you have that cash flow as your baseline before you jump to that next level is important. Absolutely. Amnai, as you have built your portfolio, what would you say is the most important skill that you have developed along the way? I analyze and I think I overanalyze a lot. I'm an analytical person and I have learned to, I'm not going to say trick myself, but I've learned to understand my weak points and create barriers to help me make decisions much quicker. So whether it's a spreadsheet, whether it's a calculator, whether it's a rule of thumb, because I could be analyzing something for two days and it's already gone by the time I make a decision, but I got really good at making decisions quickly, even though I am an overthinker and overanalyzer. So setting up the parameters around how quickly I should make informed and educated decisions has been a, a skill set that has paid off for me. Awesome. I'm not, are you ready for our best ever lightning round? Absolutely. Great. What is the best ever book you've recently read? There's a lot of great ones. Recently, probably my favorite is Brandon Turner's Multifamily Millionaire. It's a two-set volume, but really, really good for anyone looking to get into the multifamily space, the small multifamily, or even the large syndication side. There's two books there and they're just gold. What is your best ever way to give back? We take a two-part approach, our cash flow doors. We set aside a percentage of the revenue from a percentage of our doors to go into a bucket that does nothing but financial contributions for charities that my wife and I support. So there's a financial side of things and that automates it. And then my goal over the last few years has been to set aside a, I'm up to about 50% of my time does not make me money. And that's by design. So I want to donate as much of my time as possible to things that don't make me money and I'm in the space of coaching and education. It's, it's all free. I don't charge for that. So that's what I did. came out with a book this year. And it's all about having to set that foundation of becoming financially free through real estate on multiple paths there and, and trying to give that away and, and help people get to that level of financial freedom. Yeah. I'm going to tell us a little bit more about your book. Yeah. It's called The Cashflow Breakfast Club. I wrote it about three years ago and never published it. And it's been kind of my manual for my training and my coaching. And literally when we're recording, this is when it finally came out. I got to the point of publishing it, but it was started out as my story. A kid in Hawaii growing up, a lot of failures, some successes, lucky to find a mentor or mentors in a group. And 
put it into a parable format. So it's a pretty easy to read, but basic steps, basic steps on someone starting from zero or starting from one and saying, I need to get to financial freedom. I need to buy a door a year or two doors a year, three doors a year. How do I get to that level? And what does that math look like? What are the projections look like? and the multiple paths there. And it's basically, if I sit down and I coach someone for three, four, five years, it's what I would eventually tell them. It's just easier to just give them a book and say, here it is, read through this and we can talk. Awesome. Amna, what is the biggest mistake you've made as a real estate investor thus far and the best ever lesson you've learned from that mistake? My biggest mistake, I'm always my biggest bottleneck. So not firing myself soon enough on any venture. So I kind of set my goals and my life up in decades. Every 10 years, I need to reinvent myself. Every 10 years, I need to retire and do something new, really, because that forces me to say, okay, by the end of 10 years, I need to be whatever I'm working on, make it profitable, make it a self-running operation so that I can start focusing on something new. If I were to do it all over again, I would do it every three years and just reinvent myself because that cycle has paid off for me but it's been 10 year cycles. So now I'm trying to go through these three year cycles of reinventing myself, firing myself from whatever I'm doing, which means it needs to be successful by the end of that three years so that I can start working on my next thing that I want to grow. Yeah. As an owner operator myself, I'm not, I totally get that. I need to fire myself from a few things right now and not wait even three years. Exactly. I'm not, what is your best ever advice? We touched about it earlier, right? Separating your passive income from your financial freedom, your active income from your passive income as well. That was advice that was given to me. And that's what I kind of teach out to everyone that I talk to. So understanding that your active income and passive income are completely different and separating your financial freedom from your generational wealth legacy goals are probably the best thing you can do. Last thing, Omni, where can people get in touch with you? Social media, my handle is Omni the Investor Guy just about everywhere. And my website is Omni the Investor Guy.com. My phone number, email's on there. I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. And links to those social media handles and Omni's website are included in the show notes. Omni, thank you. Best ever listeners, thank you as well. If you've gained value from this episode, please do subscribe to our show. Leave us a five star review. And share this episode with a friend you know we can add value to as well through this conversation about buying portfolios at a time instead of properties at a time and our conversation about passive income goals and Omni's advice. Thank you and have a best ever day. Thanks, Lokum.